Today's scripture reading comes from Psalm 146. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, O my soul. I'll praise the Lord as long as I live. I'll sing praises to my God while I have my being. Put not your trust in princes, in a son of man, in whom there is no salvation. When his breath departs, he returns to the earth. On that very day, his plans perish. Blessed is he whose help is in the God of is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God, who made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, who keeps faith forever, who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets the prisoners free, the Lord opens the eyes of the blind, the Lord lifts up those who are bowed down, the Lord loves the righteous, the Lord watches over the sojourners, he upholds the widow and the fatherless, but the way of the wicked he brings to ruin. The Lord will reign forever. Your God, O Zion, to all generations. Praise the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. Thank you, Brenda, for reading God's word. Um, as we continue on in this series, in the season of Psalms, Today we'll be reading from Psalm 146. It's one of the last psalms in the Psalter. The last five psalms, 146 to 150 of the book of Psalms, are just praises. Praise upon praise upon praise. It's a little different from the rest of the book when most of the book of Psalms is like prayers. Prayers that you sing, but mostly prayers. They're all about praising God, especially these last few psalms. And so even how the book of Psalms is arranged, it kind of tells us something, that every prayer eventually turns to praise. And in this we can trust in the Lord. So can we, can we read this together once more um, as a congregation? And uh, we'll just kind of read throughout uh, the sermon today. But let's read verses 1 and 2 together and let's Let's sing and let's, let's speak out these praises to God. So let's read verse 1 and 2 together, shall we? Let's read it together. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. This particular psalm was written while the Israelites were in exile under the Persian Empire. So how can these people, who are far from home, without a good king over them, still function and live as God's people? Why should they praise God in those circumstances? Why should we, when we look around in our society, that <laughs> our newsfeed, praise God even now? We praise the Lord because, one, God is our faithful help. God is our faithful help. I'm going to point us back to, uh, you know, if we see in these two, first two verses, it says, praise the Lord, O my soul. Do you see these words? My soul, as long as I live while I have my being. And that kind of is a hint, it's a clue, it informs us about something. It's a kind of integrity, it's a call to have integrity or wholeness 
in our worship, an undividedness. In other words, what we say and what we do, how we live our lives, should match. There should be a wholeness there, an integrity. But how can we, just as regular people, honestly, with full integrity, praise God with our whole being? Especially when we look around and our circumstances don't really seem kind of praiseworthy. We trust that God is our faithful help. But you know, what is our tendency, though? Our tendency often is to put our hope and trust in people. Let's read these next few verses together. Verse 3 and 4. Ready? One, two, three. Put not your trust in princes, in a son of man, in whom there is no salvation. When his breath departs, he returns to the earth. On that very day, his plans perish. A prince, if you see here, well, who is a prince? A prince is anyone who is in a position of power or influence. And you imagine the psalmist who wrote this psalm while the, the people of God were in exile in less than ideal circumstances, very difficult circumstances. He's saying, don't put your trust in these princes and rulers and emperors and kings that have come before you and also who is over you right now. Don't look to them as your only hope. Because after all, these princes, they're just people like you and I. When they wake up, they put their pants on the same way you do, one leg after the other, right? It's just, they're just people. That means they're just human and finite. All the ambitions and plans and agendas and intentions and actions and deeds will cease when that prince passes. Therefore, that prince, that person, is not ultimately dependable enough to put our wholehearted trust and hope in. That prince cannot save us. I wonder for us, who is a prince that you have started putting your hope in? We don't really have a monarchy in this country, right? But a prince nonetheless. Who is someone who is in a position of power or influence that we have started putting our hope in inadvertently? Perhaps that could be someone who is famous. Someone, right, every election cycle, there's political figureheads. Their names are just blasted all over, just, you know, with flags and you know, posters and, you know, people put other people's names on the, on the bumper stickers on your cars. I mean, like, that's, that's always funny to me, right? It's like, I'm going to put someone else's name on my car so that everyone knows who I'm putting my trust in. And not to say that these elections and, and celebrities and famous people and influential people don't really matter, but we need to be careful. We can easily get there, can't we? We kind of put too much trust and too much hope in just people. Maybe it's just not even someone famous. How do, how do we know this? How can you tell if we might be putting our hope or too much trust in a prince? One way is 
Do you feel really disappointed in people? Like more than normal? If you were to honestly examine yourself, would you actually just, have you become cynical? Maybe even untrusting of others? That disappointment maybe could be stemming from we're putting a lot of hope in a prince, whoever that might be in our lives. And we found out and we're disillusioned that, oh man, that person is just really a person. It's just a normal person, just like me. He or she is not everything that I had really hoped that they would be, because they can't be. So maybe that's one way we can tell that we have been putting too much hope and faith and trust in a prince, in a person, in another person. Maybe for some of us, we have been our princes. We've been putting ourselves as a prince, and we trust in ourselves and our own ability. So much so that we really feel like, man, it's, it's really up to me to kind of see these plans through, to kind of rescue and save the people that I care about. And is there a prince that you have started putting your hope in? This psalm, this praise is a call and a reminder to put people, including ourselves, in the right position where we actually belong, where we're just people, humbly walking before the Lord. And what we are as people is limited and certainly not perfect, and we're not the Savior. So we don't put our trust in our prince, nor do we mistake ourselves as a prince to be trusted in, but we put our hope and faith in God. So who can we count on? Not a king, not a prince, not ourselves, but we are blessed when we turn to the Lord because God is our faithful help. Let's read these next few verses together, five and six, how we can turn to the Lord. Blessed is he whose help is a God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God, who made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, who keeps faith forever. See, we are blessed when we put our help and our hope in God. The eternal God who has created all things, this whole universe, and sustains it and rules over it. The same God who calls himself the God of Jacob. You see that? The God of Jacob. Why is that important? Because the eternal ruler of the universe, God himself, the creator of all things, came down and chose to identify himself. When he had, really, his name is an unspeakable name, I am that I am. He said, you know, I'm the God of Jacob. He came, to, he came to identify with a particular family, a particular people, to say that now you are my people, I am your God. I'm not just a distant creator that just stands afar. But the good news 
of God and his kingdom is this, that he came down to us. He calls us by name, that we are now his. We belong to him, that we can call him our God, the God of Jacob. Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, this God of the universe who came down to us, the God of Jacob who meets us, who meets us in our humanity and in our need. And because he is the one who keeps faith forever. Forever. Not just temporarily like people. But his rule and reign do not end. He's the one who can keep faith forever. Even when we ourselves or other people disappoint us and fall short. We are blessed when we make God our help. And I think the main point is this. The main idea from this psalm as we see that we're praising the Lord is this, that we worship God and we depend on Him to make all things right. That we worship God. This psalm is a call for us to worship God and we depend on Him. We count on Him to make all things right because only God can. Only God is our faithful help again and again. So pausing right now, what's one way we can respond and worship to God? Like we mentioned before, examine your hope. Examine your hope. Am I putting too much hope and trust in a person, in a prince, instead of God? Am I just being let down again and again? And as I see the failure of people, of humans in our society, including myself, I just get so bogged down and disappointed and cynical. And if you do feel like that, examine your hope and instead redirect our hope to the Lord. Say, God, you're my hope. You're my help. And on you I depend. And in you I worship. Because God alone is worthy of that kind of praise. And we can praise God because when we, when we turn to God for help, we can also trust that God makes all things right in his kingdom. That's his activity. That's what he's doing. He is worthy of praise because God makes all things right in his kingdom. Can we read verses 7, 8, 9 all together in one voice? Let's read this together. Who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets the prisoners free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the sojourners. He upholds the widow and the fatherless. But the way of the wicked he brings to ruin. If I had to kind of sum these up by uh, uh, just two statements is this. He executes justice and the Lord loves the righteous. That's how God makes all things right in his kingdom, in his reign. He executes justice for the oppressed, gives food to the hungry, sets the prisoners free, opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down and extends mercy. He loves the righteous. That is God's activity. He brings about justice and shows forth his mercy to the righteous. 
He watches over the sojourners, the immigrants, the refugees. He upholds the widow. I would include their single parents, the fatherless. And the way of the wicked he brings to ruin. There is perfect justice and rightness that God does in his kingdom. Now, now who are the righteous? This says the Lord loves the righteous. Who are the righteous? All throughout the Psalms and throughout Scripture, we see actually that the righteous are not the, not the people who do everything right and has everything put together. Not necessarily. For those of us who are familiar with the Lord Jesus, think about how Jesus encountered people. Who did Jesus minister to? Who did Jesus primarily go to? Actually, it's these people that this psalm describes. The bowed down, the blind, the imprisoned, the hungry, the oppressed, the sojourners, the widows, the fatherless. This is who Jesus goes to. And he spends most of his ministry with, taking care of demonstrating that this is God who is making all things right in his kingdom. So who are the righteous? On one hand, it's just really these people that are oppressed and sick and needy. And before these people can, can kind of somehow prove themselves worthy of love and care and attention and uh, the, somehow upgrade their status in society, no, the Lord goes to them first before they can even prove anything, before they can even do anything, before they can even accomplish anything. In other words, a little more simplified is this, who are the righteous that the Lord loves and cares for? The righteous are simply the needy who know that they need a Savior. And they're blessed because they turn to the Lord as their help and put their hope in Him. So if you are needy and you know you need a Savior, you turn to your God, then in Christ we're counted as righteous. These are the righteous that the Lord loves and cares for. This is the way of God's kingdom. So we worship God who is the creator of the universe, the ruler of his kingdom. And we worship this God who upholds the righteous and he judges the wicked with his perfect justice. And we are depending on him, we are counting on him to make all things right. So, what does that mean for us? As New Hope, as a church, what do we do with this? And there's a connection here with praising God with all of our soul, with all of our being, while, we, while we're still alive, with every breath that we have. And God making all things right in his kingdom, bringing about justice, showing forth, his, showing forth his mercy. There's a connection here. What is that connection? How does this psalm and God's activity, his heart, how does that inform our worship? How do we, the righteous, Praise God with the whole being. What does it actually look like? That's something I think the Israelites, way back when, were also wondering. Wait a minute. A lot of things are not right in our society right now. They were in exile. Like We are far from home. Our worship of God is kind of messed up and broken. Like We're not able to do it fully, to the fullest extent as we would wish. And so how... 
do we actually praise the Lord in all this? What does this mean for us? Here's the context, and I think this is important for us to understand. Because if we sometimes understand who wrote these psalms and the kind of their backstory, it informs us perhaps why they wrote it, what, what they wrote it for. See, Psalm 146 through 148, the prophet Zechariah and Haggai wrote these songs. So the prophet Zechariah wrote this particular psalm, Psalm 146. And this prophet, he had his own, he had his own book in the Bible, the prophecy of Zechariah. And this is what Zechariah had to say about worship, about praising God. And this is what he says in verse 6. And those who are far off shall come and help to build the temple of the Lord. And all this shall come to pass if you will diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God. So you see these two things. They're in exile. They're kind of far from this ideal of praising God with all their hearts and all their being and everything that they are. And you look around and it's hard, maybe it's hard, kind of hard for them to sing this song because they're like, wait a minute, there's still people who are oppressed. There are people who are still hungry. There's still injustice in the society. There's so much need. And so Zechariah is speaking into that, that very situation. Because he wrote this psalm and he's prophesying to the people of God He's saying, those who are far off shall come and help to build the temple of the Lord. Meaning, this has to do with worship, right? So like somehow, your praise will be made whole, be restored somehow. Because right now, I don't know about you, but right now in our lives, man, can we honestly with integrity say, I can praise the Lord with all my being at all times, every single day. No, I think it's an up and down struggle, right? So, but he's saying that this worship of God somehow will be restored, that we'll come together again, that the Lord will gather his people, and will somehow rebuild this temple of the Lord. And all this shall come to pass if you will diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God. So we see that this call that Zechariah is putting out to his people is, yes, praise the Lord. How, how's that going to happen? There has to be some kind of obedience to the Lord as God is making all things right in his kingdom. And what were the people supposed to be obeying exactly? Like, what exactly? And he goes on, chapter 7, Zechariah continues on, and he says exactly this. The word of the Lord came to Zechariah. And the Lord says, thus says the Lord of hosts, and he gives this. Render true judgments. Show kindness and mercy to one another. Do not oppress the widow, the fatherless, the sojourner, or the poor. And let none of you devise evil schemes against one another in your heart. Did you catch that? Zechariah is saying, praise the Lord with all your being. Don't put your trust in princes. No, no, no. Turn to the Lord. Blessed are you when you turn to God, the God of Jacob, for your help and put your hope in him because he who reigns forever making all things right in his kingdom. He is the one who executes justice, who loves the righteous. And so as you're seeking to have this wholehearted worship full of integrity and praise the Lord with all your being, there's something to do with an obedience to the Lord and partaking in his kingdom ways. And specifically, if the Lord is the one who cares about and loves his righteous by 
executing justice for the oppressed and feeding the hungry, setting the prisoners free, then we too are to mirror that and to take on also that kind of work. That's what it means to obey God. And that's connected. He's connecting to somehow that that is a restoration of our worship. The Lord speaks of his justice and his mercy and invites his people, calls his people to do just that, to actually act this out, that his kingdom weighs again and again through his prophets. Even Jesus, do you remember he read from the scroll of Isaiah 61, he says exactly these words that we just read. That behold, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me to set free the prisoners, to speak good news to the oppressed, right? Listen to what, how the Lord speaks to another prophet, Micah, on how worship and God's kingdom ways, justice and mercy, are connected. Do you see here in Micah chapter 6? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body, for the sin of my soul, a.k.a. worship? Is this the kind of praise that God wants? And that's a rhetorical question. Not exactly. We're missing something here. And he says this, actually, this worship is kind of made whole and complete when the Lord has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God? Did you catch that? To summarize it, it would be to do justice, to love kindness or mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Walking humbly meaning I'm not God. He's God. I'm not putting my trust in princes or myself my trust in him, walking humbly with our God. If we are to worship God while we still have our being, that means we're also to take on the Lord's kingdom priorities. We are to live out the gospel of Christ as his church by practically loving our neighbors. That means our praise to God is more than just lip service. It entails that we also obey the Lord. And the primary way we show our love and hope in God is to love our neighbors. Pastor Rich Viotas of New Life Fellowship Church in Queens in his book, Good, Beautiful, and Kind, kind of sums it the same idea up. And this is what he writes. To summarize and synthesize many of Christ's most essential teachings, to love our neighbor is to give what's due to God. Justice is not something we do after we have loved God. Justice is one of the primary ways to love him. If the love we claim to have doesn't lead to a commitment to seeing wholeness and justice, we will have short-circuited God's love. There is a direct connection here as we praise God for who he is and that he is the one who brings justice and shows forth his mercy, we as his people, as his image bearers, are to obey the Lord and our worship will be whole and more restored. We don't have to try to, Worship is not something that we fake it till we make it. Worship is not a manipulation of our emotions. That's not what praise and worship is. Primarily, actually, how do we love God? By loving our neighbor. 
in very practical, tangible ways. So how can we respond to this? An application for us is we refocus, refocus on God's kingdom priorities. Refocus on God's kingdom priorities. Do justice, love mercy, walk humbly before our Lord in whatever activity you are engaged in. That means for some of us, we might have to kind of reprioritize some of our life kind of decisions and activities. And just simply ask a diagnostic, because this will, how this looks like can look pretty different. And there's a variety of ways that we, that we obey the Lord in, in, in administering justice and showing forth, forth His mercy to the needy. And so there's no one kind of sure way, but kind of a diagnostic question might be, hmm, is what I'm involving myself in? What am I doing this for? Is this really for God's kingdom and to serve those who are in need? Or is it just about serving myself? Is why I'm doing what I'm doing, this act, whatever activity, is it because I'm keeping up with the Joneses? And that's really why I'm doing what I'm doing? Or is it, let me realign some of this stuff. Wait a minute. Say, Lord, where is the need? Open my eyes to the need that's already here in our community, in our neighborhood, in our society. And Lord, how can I somehow contribute to that? Because, Lord, that's who you care about. Lord, that's where you are. That's where your hands are. You know, I encourage us. Some of us, uh, this, this kind of plays out in different ways. Some of us, maybe your line of work, your day job, what you actually get paid for, has much to do with healing and caring for those who are in need. Maybe that's your main activity throughout the week. That's what you do. Your job, unpaid or paid. And so, my encouragement to you is this. If that's the case, remember, it is the Lord. It is the Lord who loves the righteous that you are not on your own. That when we get frustrated by the bureaucracy, frustrated by just, I don't know, office politics or just barriers to, you know, just, there are just days where you just think, man, why can't I just do my work and just care for people? Why are there just all these barriers in the way? And I don't know, maybe some of you have felt that way. It's like, I just, I got into this line of work because I just, I I just want to help people. And that was my original motivation. But somewhere along the way, because of just the frustrations and the barriers that are there, we just kind of forget. And we get more caught up in dealing with the fires and frustrations. And the helping of people sometimes kind of gets masked and covered up. My encouragement to us is this. Let's regain that heart and say, Lord, I remember now why you have called me into this line of work of really helping and healing people, caring for people bringing about justice, helping provide and care for the needy. And Lord, help, help me just to regain your sense of purpose. Because it's easy to forget. It's easy to get frustrated and, and distracted. Others of us, maybe your line of work, the, thing, the type of work that you get paid for to do on a day-to-day, maybe it doesn't have necessarily directly something to do with this. 
perhaps if it's in your capacity, if you feel the Lord's leading, is to do maybe something in the additional time that you have. Somehow get involved. Perhaps your main efforts will be prayer. I don't know about you, but there are definitely seasons and times where I think, like, my hands are so full, I don't know how much more I could do. Like, I'm busy just taking care of myself and my household. Right? Does anyone else feel me on that? You're like, I don't know if I could do more than I'm doing now. My hands are so full. I think we're just announcing and inviting, uh, just, for example, moms in prayer. Just prayer. That reminds me that prayer is just so necessary and essential. I remember there were, uh, there were times where uh, just in a, another church that I was part of, uh, we would go and we would walk the streets uh, in the red light district, try to reach out to the sex workers and the pimps and the johns. And it was hard work. And yet, you know what? The organization that we're partnering with, they said, the thing that we need most is prayer. <laughs> so yeah, we can send you out on the streets and we can interact with people and we can kind of do the practical stuff. That's fine. That's part of it. But what we really need at the end of the day is prayer. And we thought they were like, are you just saying that because, like, you know, you're just saying that, you know, <laughs> just to kind of, like, use up our time. It's like, no, but they meant it. And as we spent more time with them, their ministry and their care for the needy was driven by prayer. So perhaps the Lord is calling you to pray, to start praying. Some of us are involved in things like uh, ministries like hearts and homes or expect hope already. And so let's be encouraged. Let's turn to the Lord and say, Lord, if this is your kingdom priority, this is not something additional or extra or bonus or special, but this is like your main activity, then God, we also trust that you'll provide for every need for your kingdom work. And so all those of us maybe at home That'll be your primary work of bringing about justice, extending mercy. Perhaps in ways that won't ever make the news. It won't, maybe you won't really get a, too much credit or thanks for it from people. But it's all important work of raising a household, setting a foundation, a trajectory, a better trajectory from maybe how you grew up for the next generation, for your kids, for your sons and daughters, even spiritual sons and daughters. Some of us have been there ourselves as a refugee, and families who have adopted or fostered uh, children. And what important kingdom work that is that you're doing. May the Lord help you and provide for you and your family. In all these things, as we praise the Lord, as we go about and obey Him and participate in His kingdom work of doing justice, showing forth His mercy to the needy, loving our neighbor, the reality is that we too will fall short because we're just human. 
but we bless God because we can depend on him who reigns forever. Can we read this last verse together as we praise the Lord? The Lord will reign forever. Your God, O Zion, to all generations, praise the Lord. The Lord who reigns forever as king over his kingdom is worthy of our praise. Why? Because even when we show forth our best effort in following after the Lord and extending justice and mercy in our society to the needy, as we try to walk humbly before our Lord, we recognize that we too, someday, just like the princes that we shouldn't put our trust in, we too will pass. We too our strength at some point will wane. Our plans and our hopes will just kind of stop. And when we look around, as we do the work of justice, you'll notice that there's layers and layers and more and more injustice in our society. There's more work to be done. So true praise of God means that we are depending on him from generation to generation to be faithful. We worship God because he's the one, even when we stop short, because we literally can't, that the Lord will continue his good work. And so he is worthy to be praised from generation to generation, all generations. He is worthy of our praise. We're counting on him, our faithful God, to finish where we left off. So that's why we worship him we depend on him to make all things right. You hope, let's pray together. Uh, let's join me in prayer as we as we reorient our hearts and lives to worship the Lord and we depend on him to make all things right. I'm going to invite us just for a moment. Um, you can pray silently before the Lord. Ask the Lord to search your true motives and test your thoughts. Am I putting hope, too much hope, in a prince? Whether that's myself or someone else. Have I been hoping and waiting in something or someone other than the one true God? If so, listen. Just take a moment to invite the Lord to search our hearts. Confess that to the Lord. It's an opportunity to declare your trust in the Lord once more, saying, Lord, I have trusted in a prince, whether that's me or someone else. Instead, O oh Lord, redirect my heart to you. Let's take a brief moment, just a few seconds to pray that to the Lord. Let's also pray to, for God to help us refocus on his kingdom priorities. Pray for the Lord's help, that he might open your eyes to opportunities around you, or as you are already involved, to strengthen and encourage you. 
to be your ultimate help that you could depend on. So let's ask the Lord to help us to realign with his kingdom purposes in serving and looking out for the needy. So can we just take a moment to make that commitment to the Lord and pray? Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, you reign forever, and your name is above every other name. May your kingdom come and your will be done in this generation as it is in heaven. We trust you to complete your kingdom work. We look forward to that day. So give us this day, Lord, the resources and ability that we need. Enable us to be generous and feed those who are hungry and care for those in need. Lead us to reconcile and make peace amongst our neighbors. And even reveal for us what princes we may have put our trust in and deliver us from that false hope. Lead us back to you, to the praise of your name. Amen.